This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Hi, everyone. This is Glenn Keane, and you are listening to the Animation Attic podcast with the Rotoscopers. They are awesome. Animation Addicts podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 83, Mickey's Christmas Carol. They're just actors. Welcome to the Animation Addicts podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, John Bluth, and everything in between. We're your hosts, Morgan Stradling, Chelsea Robson, and Mason Smith. Say hello, my fellow co-hosts. Hello, everybody. Bah, humbug. So for those of you who are new to our show, the Animation Humbug. Addicts... Excuse you, Scrooge. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who are new to our show, the Rotoscopers or Animation Addicts podcast is a podcast where animation lovers, young and old, come together and every week we talk about an animated film, past or present, sometimes animated shorts. In this case, we are talking about the 1983 classic, Mickey's Christmas Carol. always been a fan of this movie. This was definitely on my list of Christmas movies to watch every single year. I mean, it kind of got out of the rotation there for a while once Elf came around, but it was still there. Like, it's it's always one that I'm like, man, let's watch Mickey's Christmas Carol. That's a good one. You know, with the advent of Elf, it was hard for everyone to compete for airtime. It's true. During the holidays. I'm the Scrooge who really doesn't love Elf that much. Oh my gosh, you really are a Scrooge. I know. That's like a one-way <laughs> ticket on the naughty list, Morgan, if you don't like Elf. <gasps> naughty. What's next? I bet your favorite Christmas song is Santa Baby. That would just make it... Totally no, crazy. I'm not that bad. That is the worst Christmas song ever. Uh. Anyway, um, can you think of a worse Christmas song than Santa Baby? Yes. Last Christmas no, I, I love gave you my Lamb heart. is amazing. I'm so glad well, I, I, I like that song, but I like Christmas. the... Uh, well, I like Last Christmas, uh, you know, where would Lifetime movies be without it? Um, they would have no source material for their films. But um, also, I like the Star Wars version, you know, the mm, Last Christmas, my heart I gave you. <laughs> okay, we should ask people what they listen, if, if there are any animators that listen to us, we should li- ask them what they listen to while they're animating. Or like artists, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the tr- it's a trick question because you should be listening to the Rotoscopers Animation Addicts podcast while you're animating. That is source of inspiration and uh i i say that with all the humility in my heart uh we're the best but what you know what i wonder what animators listen to when they're uh when they're in the zone you know because you got to get in the zone don't let me into my zone i'm definitely in my zone connie west wow you really don't listen to pop music yeah okay. i don't listen to that either <laughs> connie west isn't pop music it's, it's illuminati but anyway um 
so cr- back to Christmas. <laughs> that was a really crazy tangent. Um, this was yet another adaptation of Charles Dickens's The a Christmas Carol. This is the Disney version. Uh, I think uh, if you look on Wikipedia, there's like there's like 21, 22 different movie adaptations for this. Uh, it's basically a, a ghost story centered around Christmas and the redemption of Ebenezer Scrooge. Have you guys ever seen the Jim Carrey one? It's got a funky name. It's categorized as a like performance capture film in that it's it's CG, but it's it's all pretty much mocap. I have not seen it yet. It is I really haven't, creepy. But it does look really creepy. Yeah, it's very creepy. I saw it one year uh, by myself, and uh, it's definitely one of the more disturbing adaptations of it visually. But uh, Jim Carrey does a pretty good job. You can't even tell it's him like with the voice acting and stuff. So I, I think it's worth watching. Uh, and then there's the Muppet Christmas Carol, which I, I think is probably the best adaptation because Muppets. It's true. At that point, yeah. There's nothing else you need to say. No, nothing else needs to be said. Hashtag nuff said. So some general information about this movie. It came out in 1983, and it was actually released as – it's a short, a very long short by today's standards. It's 25 minutes long. But it was released with the rescuers um, in December of 1983. And I'm just sitting here thinking, can you imagine sitting through a 25-minute short today and then going to your regular scheduled program? I, I can't. I guess you can't. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't I, – I think it would be – It'd be interesting to try and do this today because I just feel like so long. But then again, movies are already longer than, you know, 90 minutes of The Rescuers plus 25 minutes of the short. So it's not a big deal. But anyway, the movie was directed by Bernie Mattinson, which I think is really cool because he's just definitely one of a a Disney legend. He's actually still working at Disney today, which is so cool. He's been around just forever. And this guy is so cool. And props to him on this movie because I think he did a really great job. Um, you know, adapting this movie and, and whatnot. So. Yeah. Thank you, Bernie. And, uh, looking through the, uh, the opening credits, I saw some pretty, pretty big names. Uh, John Lasseter is credited as a, a creative talent in this film. And, uh, Glenn King was an animator. And then Chris Buck, director of Frozen and more importantly, Surf's Up was, uh, he was just an in-between animator, uh, in this film. Oh, if he could go back and he see was just himself an back then. <laughs> Just a lowly little in-betweener. So, uh, cool. That's kind of cool. So, Mickey's Christmas Carol, uh, I was reading online, it's, it was adapted from, uh, Disneyland Records, a 1974 audio musical, which was called An Adaptation of Dickens' Christmas Carol. Mm -hmm. And it featured similar dialogue and same sort of cast of characters, um, although there were some changes with, like, the first and the last ghost, but, uh, interesting that they took that and they, you know, adapted it to screen. But obviously this is, like we've been talking about, adapted from Charles Dickens' uh, original tale, which is just so classic. I mean, it's no wonder it's been adapted so many times. It's just, it very clearly is just this little, you know, vignette about Christmas and being stingy and giving. And I, I love it. I think it's just a perfect, you know, story. And I hope it's adapted a million more times. I think it's so good. Yeah, totally. I like yeah. that they keep like everything that's in this story because it is a timeless story with timeless principles and everything. That I, I I like that they keep it kind of fresh in everybody's mind by readapting things, and the fact that it's most likely public domain. I'm everybody is all the better. Yeah, this this is an interesting adaptation. Um, I think one of the most entertaining parts about it are all the Disney cameos, like they're everywhere. So how does this fit in with Disney theories? 
See, this was those movies that I was like, as I was looking around, I was like, wow, they really are all actors. You know how when you go into the Disney parks and the handlers for the walk-around characters are just like, oh, no, Cinderella, she's a famous actress. She knows exactly what to do. Da-da-da-da-da. She was in this movie and this movie. That's what she is. I'm like, it's true. All of these are now making these cameos in this movie. They're just actors. And they're all right. just playing a different part. <laughs> I think, okay, going back to, I, I hate to give so much credit to these infernal Disney theorists, but um, but how do they account for the parks? Because are not the parks part of the Disney canon? Yeah, but they exist in like a completely different world. But if there's one unified Disney universe like they're, like they're theorizing, then then how can that be? Then there's uh, the real universe that we live in. <laughs> I don't know. So where does Enchanted fit in into, into all those Disney theories? Because it's kind of both. That's for another day. That really is. <laughs> we got we to get moving. All right. So um, I think I think I spotted all the cameos. Most of them. Okay. Talking about just the cameos in the very beginning or just throughout? Oh, no, no, no. Throughout the film. Okay. Do you want to just go through all of them or do you want to talk to them as we see them? No. Take it away. Okay, Cameo yeah. man. Yeah. So the, the three little pigs and the big bad wolf. Yes. That was a uh, that was a uh, kind of a groundbreaking Disney short. And the reason why it was so big that uh, we study this uh, this semester um was that they they featured individual personalities for each of the pigs. And that was the kind of the um, the character design predecessor or prototype for the seven dwarves and their distinct personalities in Snow White. Hmm. I don't know about the wolf. I think the wolf's just nasty. Yeah, he's just a mean old dude. Yeah. Of course you've got Fuzzy Wigs or whatever his name is, is actually Mr. Toad. <laughs> and then I think I saw Lady Cluck in there. I Where? think that's she who that's did. supposed to be. She was dancing. She's, yeah, she wasn't I think she was yeah, she was like dancing slash yeah, she was dancing. She was dancing in the, at the, at the, the past sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's also Uncle Waldo. I'm pretty sure I saw him. Well, and the horse from um from Oh the yeah. Well, Master Jamochica. Yeah. That guy. Ugh. Enabler. Um, I'm glad he actually got a job instead of leading <laughs> Mr. Toad down the path that rocks. Um, anyway, and then there's, I think there was a couple of kids from Robin Hood, and I blatantly saw Skippy and Toby. Wow, I did not see these kids at all. Toby might tattle on you. Um, I saw, yeah. yeah, all of them. They're all just like sitting around at the dance party. Oh, see, I, at the dance party, I'm too engrossed in Daisy Duck. I think she's amazing. So I think I've only <laughs> ever paid attention to her. <laughs> Yeah, Daisy Duck. Uh, then there's Chippendale, um, and then there's a uh, there's a lot of extras from Robin Hood. I think. Mm, they had like extra basically food. all the poor folk are extras from Robin Hood. <laughs> you know, they brought them over for this one. You know. Oh, well, I think also because Bernie Mattinson worked on Robin Hood, and most of these most of these characters they all have that same feel. I mean, it was all only a couple morphic. Right. The three the you know the dwarves don't appear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're human ish. It's true. Yeah, so oh, yeah, this, there are there are no humans in this story. This casting call was only for anthropomorphic characters. Discrimination much? Mm-hmm. Oh well, they can do what they want. It's Hollywood, right? Right. <laughs> and then there's the Miss uh, Mr. Badger and the mole, and then there's also the um the guy who looks like Sherlock Holmes, you know, Motormania. That guy, the water rat. Uh, yep. They're in there, of course. They they got a pretty prominent role, and they're still weasels and wind in the willows one of them has the british cockney accent and the other one has kind of like kind of a sleazy <laughs> latino accent you know master the plans <laughs> kind of like that you know no one went to his funeral <laughs> it's, it's not a pretty picture i don't like throwing it <laughs> anyway 
So yeah, all these cool cameos. Um, they are actors. That's a great. That's a great overriding theory, Chelsea. Yeah, we're introduced to Ebenezer Duck. I mean Scrooge. I mean, wait, what is he like acting in this short, or is he himself? Scrooge McDuck, right? Scrooge yeah. McDuck is not so that bad. He's Ebenezer Scrooge McDuck, or is he Eben- just Ebenezer Scrooge? No, Ebenezer Scrooge. Because because um, Donald is never referred to as Donald. It's Fred. Mm-hmm. That's true. Isn't that weird? So weird. Okay, I have a few continuity issues. My first one is Fred. Why is he Donald? Fred is the antithesis of Ebenezer Scrooge. So should, like, why... And yet Donald isn't, he's like super cheerful. Donald's never the cheerful one. He's irascible and grumpy. He's an actor. Yeah, that's that's the only thing. He had to be a nephew, so they couldn't put Goofy as the nephew. And I definitely wouldn't put Goofy as his, you know, his scoundrel of a a partner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they all do role reversals, basically, except for Scrooge and Mickey. I mean, they're pretty, mostly on character. That's why they're all actors. Mickey's the perfect Bob Cratchit. (laughs) Typecast. (laughs) <laughs> oh, he only gets those happy jolly rolls anyway so we're introduced to scrooge and he's just horrible like i love the part where he's talking about he he bought his partner a headstone and then he buried him at sea and yeah. you know he's not letting mickey use the coal <laughs> and then docking mickey's pay i'm just oh just so sad i like i don't know if i realized how horrible of a guy this was when i was watching this when i was younger but watching it this time, you meet it and like, man, that's harsh. Yeah, yeah. And check this out. Um, 80% interest compounded daily on this one account. That's, that, that's insane. Yeah, he's making a lot of, lot of money. Like, those they, are interest fuck, rates fuck, that... Fuck, 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 that chicken. The eighth wonder of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's horrible. So that, that's an interest rate that credit card companies wish they could achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're not careful. Anyway, um, so I, I don't agree with Donald Duck being cast as Fred, but, uh, you know, whatever. I noticed when, when poor Bob Cratchit was uh, was sitting, you know, and he's got his little scarf. Um, I've been animating a scarf for, like, the past, like, eight months in this short film that I'm working on. So animating scarves is hard, I know. That was right about the time I noticed um, the line... Um, that Fred, always so full of kindness. I, he always was a little peculiar. <laughs> I really love him. There's so many good lines in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's a very snarky Scrooge. I like oh, his yeah. snarkiness. <laughs> I've always loved, like, Scrooge McDuck as a, just as a character in general. I just thought it was really funny because he's, he's himself, but he's mean, but he's nice, but he's mean and he's stingy, but yeah. <laughs> and he's got I a mean, big bin of money. That's true. He's got an entire swimming pool. Sheesh. So I love when the, the you know, the pet, they're not peddlers. They're, you know, just charitable folks looking for a handout, <laughs> but not really a handout. That's mean. I'm not saying they're looking for a handout. They're looking yeah, they're for all the spokespeople for a charity. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, you know, then he kicks them out and he's like, what's this world coming to, Cratchit? You work all your life to get money and then people want you to give it away. You think he's going to go in a different direction, but he's just... <laughs> I really like it. Oh, it's too good. There's this... <laughs> it's just too good. Um, can't you say that Mickey looks really weird with a hat on when he puts it on before he goes outside? Yeah, I shouldn't be wearing a full-on hat like that. And, and it, breaks the, it breaks the canon of Mickey's ears. So with Mickey's ears, basically in 2D, um, just the way that he is 
they they don't actually go with wherever his head is facing. They're not in perspective. They're always just sitting on the top of his head, facing you, perfectly circular. You know, if you were to actually do a 3D model of the Mickey based on the 2D form, it just wouldn't make sense because his ears would be moving all over the place. Oh, man. Now i got to check this out because uh, I'm going to look at Kingdom Hearts and then Epic Mickey, mm-hmm. um, you know, 3D games featuring featuring Mickey Mouse and see if they do that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not that hard to accomplish, like, coding-wise. I, I have an idea of how they could script something like that. But huh, that'd be interesting if they keep that in, in the games and stuff. But that is true. Uh, whether he's in profile, three-quarter view, backwards, forward, whatever, his ears are always in that perfect Mickey um, Mickey shape. Mm-hmm. So Scrooge leaves, and then the movie gets real, folks. Begin of the spooks. You know, Charles Dickens really liked to write ghost stories. It wasn't like a H.P. Lovecraft supernatural or, or, or you know, or, uh, who was that other guy that was kind of messed up? Uh, Poe? Um, yeah, nothing like that. Um, but anyway, I still got scared when I when I would see this as a kid. Really? He walks up to his door, and the <sighs> knocker, which is weird anyway, morphs into Marley's head and goes, Scrooge! <laughs> I always got freaked out by that when I was a kid, because it's like, okay, if that can happen in a cartoon, then anything can happen. <laughs> I don't want to like be opening a door and all of a sudden be like, Mason! I'm like, ah, my old business partner who died! <laughs> you know. Also, any part with the ghosts... And then the part at the end with the the fire and brimstone stuff just uh, scared the scared the noodle soup out of me when I was when I was young. They hey, this was during sort of the dark ages of Disney. You know, Black Cauldron followed a few years later, so oh, yeah. they definitely knew how to go there at this point in time. But I don't know, like nowadays, I think it'd be pretty cool to have one of those Jacob Marley door knockers. Like that would be the ultimate Disney fan if you could Ooh, like, get one of I those. I wonder if there's a hidden one in one of the parks. Ooh, probably not. That'd be amazing if they hit it during Christmas time. Yeah. Yes, make it happen, also, Disney. This is a uh, this is that weird era. Not weird, but this was the before Bill Far- Farmer era. So this is Hal Smith as Goofy. I do not like. It's He's... it's so different since it's... you guys made me watch a Goofy movie and 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 you and all that it? stuff. I tolerated it. it it's oh. okay. I. Mostly watched it for Powerline. <laughs> we all watched it for Powerline. I'm telling you, he's like a goof version of Prince. He's just great. Anyway, he's very weird as Goofy. He's very he's very subtle. Like I feel like Bill Farmer as Goofy, everything's exaggerated, but this Goofy was just like almost monotone in a way. Yeah. We did you guys ever? I, I have to go back to that podcast. Did you guys ever talk about talk to Bill Farmer about taking the reins from Hal Smith? Was there a, was there another Goofy before him? I think before him, it was just, um, it, it wasn't standardized. Every Mickey or, you know, goofy thing, they would just have a new casting call and hire whoever. Weird. Goofpocalypse. Whoa, yeah. man. It's not Bill Farmer. Bill Farmer, oh, I hope he has that gig for eons to come. Yeah. Oh, but there is the, the classic goofy, um, Yelp, you know, the, ah, <laughs> you know. Falls down the watch out for the first step. <laughs> it's it's kind of weird in this part because for one he's goofy, but then every once in a while he'll just snap into a direct quote from the original um, Charles Dickens story. Yes, you know he will. He's, he's like out of oh. character. He's like, oh gosh, the floor slippery, and then the next, and then half <laughs> he'll be like, 
tonight you will be visited by three spirits. You know, or your chains will be heavier than mine. <laughs> I don't know. I can't. I can't pull it off because it's just so unnatural. Like, like saying those original lines, and, and that's kind of a a tricky thing with these film adaptations of uh, a Christmas Carol. It's choosing um, how much you're going to stick to the source material. You know, Muppet Christmas Carol, which uh, you know is the standard to which I hold all Muppet uh, all Christmas Carol film adaptations to. Um, it it kind of does this. It, it everybody has their kind of Muppet personalities, but at the same time they they quote a lot directly from the source material. I don't think I've ever seen that one all the way through. Oh my gosh! Just it's so shame, good. shame, shame on me. It's on so Netflix. Good. You got to watch it because the best part is <laughs> is like whatever happened to Tiny Tim? Well, Tiny Tim. Who did not die? <laughs> it's so funny. It's like Gonzo saying it. I don't know. It, it's a great Muppet movie. Oh, Tiny Tim. You think he's a heartbreaker in this movie? Tiny Tim in the Muppet Christmas Carol is like, um, is like Super Saiyan heartbreaker. I don't he's believe like, it. Oh my gosh. Ah, it's so, so heartbreaking. Anyway. Honestly, I would really like to hear Bill Farmer doing a complete overdub of this part. That is an <gasps> awesome idea. Like, can we just oh call gosh. him and say, Bill? For our Christmas wish, yes. we should have all the rotoscopers <laughs> and tweet him. Yes. Our Bill does, wish. Bill does Marley. Bill, the hashtag Bill does Marley. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, Bill does Marley. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Oh, and he could just release it on SoundCloud or something, and all the fans will go crazy. We could post it on the site. It'll be a huge thing. It's going to be that so That is cool. such a good idea. Holy okay. Cow. Right, Rotoscopers fans, we are calling upon the power. We need you to to tweet at Goofy Bill. That is his hash. That is his handle, and ask him for your say your Christmas wish as Tiny Tim or however you want to put it. Your Christmas wish is for him to record himself doing Goofy's lines in a Mickey's Christmas Carol. Uh, use the hashtag Bill Does. Marley. And how do you spell Marley? M-A-R-L-E-Y? Yeah. Bill yes. does Marley. Cool. We're gonna do, e- we're gonna do this thing. Mm-hmm. The day this episode comes out, let's all do it. Today yes. the Rotoscopers community will rise. So stop right now and do stop it right now. Everything you're doing. I don't care if you're doing laundry, if you're driving. Just pause the uh, podcast and do it. If you're working on Frozen 2 at the moment. <laughs> stop what you're doing and tweet Phil Farmer. Anyway. So yeah, three spirits. Which go by so quickly. The first one is none other than uh, Jiminy Cricket. You can... Okay, this is how bad uh, Scrooge McDuck is. Nobody rolls their eyes at Jiminy Cricket. (laughs) He... he, You you cannot hate Jiminy Cricket. He is... He is so lovable. How could you possibly roll your eyes at him? Or find him annoying? But Scrooge uh, manages to. Mm -hmm. It's phenomenal. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, they go to the past. Oh, Fizzy Wig himself! Oh, this is probably the best scene of the whole movie to me. Or Life at least one of the most duck. memorable. Because of Daisy Duck, basically. How come Donald's is the only one that talks like he does out of the ducks? <laughs> he has a speech impediment. Give him a. <laughs> Even as break. an actor, he has a speech <laughs> impediment. I, I just like it because you get to see like how he was a good person at one point in time and. How, you know, he had, like, so many good things going for him and how he just let them all go away and because he was, you know, eventually became overtaken by money and greed. And it's just sad because she had given him a lot of, like, a long time 
Like she even mentioned she has a honeymoon cottage that she's been living in. And I'm like, what is this? And I need one. Um, <laughs> that's, 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 another, that's another term for like another, another house. Well, so you have to, you have to buy a, another house, Morgan, to have a honeymoon cottage. I guess I need one. Well, uh, oh, it's called a timeshare. <laughs> well, she was an hour late on her loan and he foreclosed. That's how bad of a guy this guy on is. his girlfriend. That's, wor- I, that's worse than a that's worse than a text breakup. It would have no, it would have oh, been his anyway if he would have just married her. <laughs> Wait, someone someone broke up with you through text or someone foreclosed your your time <laughs> Someone broke up with me via text. <laughs> hey, me too. I've Yay. never been foreclosed on, thank goodness. So <laughs> And it's not going to happen yeah. anytime soon. Okay, so why do you love Daisy Duck so much, Morgan? I think she's awesome. Now, it's funny because this is old Daisy Duck voice. The new Daisy Duck is by Tess McNeil. Um, and she has a very, very distinct voice because she's done a lot of other things. But um, I don't know. I just think I think Daisy's very underrated as a character. And I just, I mean, particularly love her in this movie because she there's really nothing to hate about oh, her character in this movie. What are your feelings about Daisy, Chelsea? Are you sure that was Daisy, though? Yes. Because Daisy always goes with Donald, so that's why I was confused. I was like... Actors! That's true. Okay, she was just <laughs> acting. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> no, you know, I really like her, too. That's um, that's a lot of set drama right there. I know, I wonder how Donald felt about that. <laughs> Well, Chelsea asked, do you think that this is actually Daisy? And I'm like, who else could it be? I don't know of any other female duck in this world. There's only one. Well, except for, like, the Abigail. But those don't don't count. Yeah, those are much too young, too. Um, (laughs) Oh, I thought you were talking about Abigail and Amelia from Aristocats. No, we're talking about... not chickens, but geese. (laughs) We're talking about ducktails, you know, because that's awesome. Um, but there was a moment where this, I believe that this was the first moment where they, uh, I noticed somebody calling him Ebenezer mm-hmm. and she was just like, Ebenezer, Ebenezer, Ebenezer. And it, it struck back a memory of mine. I, I joined a, a church choir and we were singing the song that come thou fount or oh thou flount of every blessing. And in the second verse of it, it says, here I raise my Ebenezer. And that one always made me think of Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> always. And so I was always Specifically like, Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> specifically. Because in my world, this was the only one that ever existed. And so even at 25 years old, this was still the only one. <laughs> um, but I was thinking about it. I'm like, what does that mean? Basically, the word Ebenezer comes from the Hebrew. It simply means stone of help. If you look at it this way, Ebenezer is like showing your gratitude. So because of his gratitude, he made this this monument or this altar for the Lord saying thank you. And in my head, I was like, okay, what's the what's the correlation here? And I thought, well, well, duh. I mean, there's obviously a reason why Scrooge is always unhappy. It's because he's not being grateful. And because he's not being grateful, you really can't be happy ever when you're not doing what you are, quote, called to do. And him specifically, his name was after a time of gratitude. So that's a little thing that I learned there. I thought it was yeah, he's, cool. an, he's an irony. Yeah. <laughs> Scrooge is. Interesting. You got a point there that, um, that he's definitely not grateful for people who, who do try to help him out, you know, because the Cratchits like do his laundry, mm-hmm. you know. He's despicable. Because he only pays him a hay penny to do so. 
A hay penny? How much is a hay penny? Not as much as a farthing. Your last farthing? Mm-hmm. Bless right. you, little sister. And then we go to the Ghost of Christmas Present. The giant is brilliant. I love him. Oh, that's the best one. They really Willy. like expand that out as far Talk as Talk about a could. cameo. Well, he got quite a, a significant line. I'm wondering, like, as if you were, you know, the animator of the stories, the director on this, it'd be really interesting trying to cast this because you already have, like, a, it, literally, like, you're casting actors. You have a set canon of characters that fall within, like, the Disney canon of classic characters, Mickey, Donald, Goofy. And then you have these ancillary characters from the movies and then trying to say, okay, we're looking for the ghost of Christmas present. Who do we want to cast? He's supposed really? to be a big, fat, giant, jolly guy. Is that how I he is, pick- in, is in the book? Yeah, he's very, um, I wouldn't say he is indulgent, but his whole theme revolves around uh, um, feasting on the, the bounties of, of life, the joys of life. Mm-hmm. Which isn't exactly gluttony, it's more of appreciation and, um, and providence. But anyway, I would have chosen Baloo the Bear. But Willie the Giant is prominent. pretty too. He's the only non-anthropomorphic yeah, he, creature. He's here. the only humanoid. Well, he's a giant, which oh, may not true. be considered humans by some. Just <laughs> unfair. His animation is brilliant. Yeah, Mar- is Marley it? was not as funny. You said Glenn Keane animated on this, and I'm interested to know what scenes he actually did. I like the part where he uh, he opens the uh, <laughs> he opens the house, you know. <laughs> Oh yes, like, oh, I love nope. the part where he has the um the little lamp post and then twists it and then <laughs> yes, the flashlight guy. So I loved that so much when I was little. It's one of my favorite parts. And watching it now, there's like so much nostalgia just tied to that one little moment that I thought was so cool. Yeah. Ah, good times. I always remember um I always remember the the scanty meal that um the Cratchits have. It's like, oh. What is that? A pigeon? And then they're all sharing a, uh, they're all sharing a pea, you know? Oh, yes. That's, Not uh, good. That's tough. You realize they are in dire straits. That is tough. See, the original source material, he starts off at other locations and basically goes to show him, like, what other, most of the people are saying. Like, most of the people hate him. Most of the people are, like, just. Right, because really he goes bad. to Fred's house. And they're, like, playing charades. Yeah. And he's basically, who's like the the worst person you can think of? <laughs> oh, it's Uncle Scrooge. <laughs> See, there's so many good like moments that could have been included. And as I was watching this and we moved really quickly from the first ghost to the second ghost and this one we're basically over with having just talked about this and and I wished for so much more. I was like, Oh, I just wish we could spend a little more time with the Cratchits and little more time with this coast and i guess that was one of my biggest disappointments in this movie is like how short it is and it is a short that's the point but i kind of wish it were it could have gone full-fledged yeah exactly i mean they obviously had enough source material that they could have done it and i think it would have been brilliant i mean just to have a few more lines from the giant even creeper pete he was like great Ah, well, these. one thing that Muppet Christmas Carol did is they added songs, which takes up time, you know? Uh-huh. And and there weren't any songs. I actually liked that it wasn't so song-focused. Really? Yeah. I mean, Disney is known for that, but this one, I feel, stands quite well on its own without them. Mm-hmm. It's hard for mm-hmm. songs, because songs, even though there are some songs that are so iconic and can stand forever, it's hard to get those. And... 
yeah, it, it's just it's so hard <laughs> to make a good song that's not gonna be trite, that's not gonna be aged. I mean, harmony. <laughs> It never gets old. I think we mentioned that one the last like five episodes. It's probably one. It's Dude. on his favorites playlist. Clearly, <laughs> clearly, it is not on my favorite <laughs> playlist. Well, anyway. you keep bringing it up as if it were. <laughs> I really do. Any well, anytime a cheesy song comes up, I just think of that song. So anyway, Tiny Tim, he is always a heartbreaker. Oh my gosh! I'm the coming, father. He, I'm coming. The moment he just his voice starts, my heart just melts. This is the perfect voice cast for him. Like you can't listen to that without thinking, "Aww." Yeah, Tim, Tiny Tim. He he represents the real consequences of Scrooge's cruelty. Although I don't really get it sometimes, continuity wise. Like, okay, so Scrooge is like he's a nice guy, you know. But apparent, but the the giant says that there's a lot of things wrong with him uh, physiologically. You know, he he is I sick. He was, like, he is just sickly. Deformed. I am ugly, and you are deformed, and I am deformed. Um, I think is it polio? Maybe it's polio. That's why he. That would explain the crutch. Yeah, but like it's not like there Which was a cure is for not really polio back Scrooge's then. Fault. So like, yeah, it's not Scrooge's fault. But could lack of nourishment because he wasn't paid well enough to get some good food down the boy? Could that be the causality behind it? Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is Scrooge, he, he's good in the end. You know, he loves Christmas and he loves everyone. But how does that make Tiny Tim live? Huh, just got more food. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, that's a good point. Then we have the super cheesy line from the giant, I foresee an empty chair in that ta- at that table. <laughs> you know. Well, the the actual story never shows you what happens to Tiny Tim. Awesome. I thought there's two God. times when he says, God bless us, everyone, and then he comes and gives the the plumpest goose to the Cratchits. Yeah, God And that's yeah, when Tiny exactly. Tim says, God bless us, everyone, yeah, again. Yeah. yeah, but it doesn't, like, at that, after, I mean, it doesn't show a year later. Day after Christmas. Okay, so maybe he dies, but at least he died. <laughs> at least he dies happy. Oh, that's so bad. With a full belly. <laughs> Yikes. Well, what's going to happen to him? Well, you think the ghost of Christmas present knew what would happen either way. So if he was going to die either way, I don't think he would have wasted his time showing him him dying based on Scrooge's actions, right? Okay, here, here's my theory. I'm, I'm, the well, wheels in my head have been turning. It was um, also the very first time that he ever met. Like, he'd never met this child, and yet this child had love for him. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, yeah. maybe that. We have to thank Mr. Scrooge. Oh, that oh, moment. No. I'm like, you are too pure. You are too good for this world. A little heartbreaker. Maybe that's why he died. He's just too good for this world. They didn't need him here. Holy cow. That's getting deep. Okay, one thing's for sure. In the visit, in the vision of, of, um, the ghost of Christmas future, um, he sees them mourning the grave of Tiny Tim. And then he sees his own. So maybe that Maybe what they're trying to say is that, hey, maybe Tiny Tim will die of polio and he will never see the potential of, of his life. But he, but for the short time that he was on Earth, he was very pure and charitable and he had that light inside of him. Scrooge had his whole life and he died an old, miserable man having wasted his entire life. So maybe that's what the parallel they were trying to make. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm sure well, there's yeah. all sorts of like journals and, and all sorts of analyses and, and critiques of the <laughs> original story. I have to go in and read it now. I feel like anyway. I have, but I haven't. I read it in who sixth was this, grade. 
Who was this unfortunate man? Whose grave is it? Why, Mr. Scrooge, it's yours. (laughs) 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 Pete Pete was the best. He's so good. Oh, Peg Leg Pete is amazing. And I love that he smokes this big old fatty cigar. This big big old cigar, you know? That's the Grim Reaper for you. Mm Mm-hmm. You think if they made this movie nowadays, they would show that? No, they would not. So stupid. It, I think cigar, they would. Cigars and cigarettes are here for an effect. It's not like when I ever saw that, I was like, whoa, man, I want to smoke. Like, <laughs> I want to smoke bad, man. <laughs> okay, wrong, wrong. Oh, wrong kind of smoking? Wrong kind of smoking, I guess. Tobacco, a gateway to the gateway. <laughs> uh, I would. You, you never had a hankering for a Christmas cigar? <laughs> no, this movie did nothing for me. It shows how much I know about tobacco. <laughs> All of us. <laughs> It'll kill you. One injection of weed will kill you. Um, yeah, I think Pete was like a fitting fit for this. You know, well, who who better to play the nastiest, most ominous character in the film? Oh, yeah, but he was the ghost. I mean, like, was he supposed to be a good guy? He just had a mean demeanor. But I mean, most He's all the other ghosts a- were good. He's got a dirty job. Yeah, he's exactly. the most. He's the most frightening of the spirits. Mm, that's true. So Pete is with his horrible laugh and his smoker's cough and the, the <laughs> smoke and the fire and brimstone. It's scary imagery. Uh, he's falling down. He gets pushed down into his grave. The coffin is just full of like fire and brimstone. It's very scary. I never want to be pushed into my own grave. <laughs> yeah, that would imply that you're not dead. <laughs> Exactly. Um, I'm fine being pushed into it if I'm dead, but yeah, not the undead part. Mm-mm. Yeah, and so it, it was all just the bed sheets. <laughs> that seems to be a common theme. See, I've never read the original, so I guess he does. That's the whole point. He gets tangled in his bed sheets, but like everyone gets tangled in a bed, and every Scrooge gets tangled in their bed sheets. It's like a <laughs> tradition with this classic. Oh, the classic gag. <laughs> just like it was just the cat. <laughs> And it is. It does go by really quick. Yeah, then we're done. Because all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're done. Oh, that only took five minutes. Oh, it's been the whole night. Oh, it's Christmas Day. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and he's transformed into this completely unrecognizable person. Um, transformed and roll out. Mm-hmm. They should make a Transformers Christmas character. Car- uh, Christmas Carol. Whoa, that's it's taking it too far, man. Megatron Scrooge. <laughs> anyway, I have all these ideas. I should put them on copyright or something. How do you how do you do that? Anyway, ah, Christmas morning. I haven't missed it. I haven't missed Christmas. And then um oh I, I like he's like he's like, holy cow, ten ten gold pieces? That's that's uh not enough. Alright, you drive a hard bargain. <laughs> Twenty gold pieces. So many gold pieces that your pants fall off. Woo-hoo-hoo. The old man's gone crazy. There should be an alternate take on this story where everybody just thinks Scrooge has gone crazy and they throw him in the mental asylum. That would be awesome. And it's that dude from Beauty and the Beast that takes him away. <laughs> Spend the night in the asylum. That's absolutely despicable. He should have been in this movie. Well, he's human, but... And he's also didn't come out for another <laughs> 
ten well, years. That's right. He had so been He could have appeared in this one randomly, and then it was like a, a, a Disney Easter egg. You know, instead of showing like Pixar, they show a little snippet from their new movie in the upcoming in the you know oh, current yeah, movie. I like those. This oh. one, they could show it ten years before the movie comes out. <laughs> We're just gonna slip it in. <laughs> hey, ten years they've been rusting. That doesn't, that doesn't fit. That doesn't fit. I'm vortex. <laughs> vortex that explain okay two things to unify all of these pixar uh, these disney theories and subsequently destroy them the time vortex and the fact that all of the disney characters are actors within their own universe uh, so you don't know what's part of the unified universe and and what's not yeah i'm well, pretty sure they're all actors. arguing about it. <laughs> it am i just creating a straw man argument with this mostly yeah Basically. One of the best parts is when he goes to Cratchit's house. And he tries one, to act like did, old screws. Or right, did anyone notice that he stuffed a cooked goose into a burlap sack? Yes. That's unhygienic. But then again, <laughs> it was the 1890s or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's completely normal practice. Poop in your kitchen. But anyway, um, yeah, he tries to be all tough. And he's like, Bob Cratchit? Oh, yes, Mr. Screw? I don't know. I can't even remember that scene. Oh, yeah, he's going to make him his business partner. Yes, he he does make him the business partner. I'm giving you a raise, and I'm making you my business partner. I love the little bear that pops out, or you know, kind of spoils his plan. And oh and yeah, of course, Tiny Tim sees it, it's like, "Ooh, gimme, gimme, gimme!" And he tries to yep. stick it in his pocket, and he's trying to pull it out of his pocket, and you know, then he spoils it by saying, "Toys." <laughs> That's right. Tiny That's all Tim. kids want. He doesn't eat food. New toys. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, wait. I, I, I pretty I much loaded up on chocolate all Christmas. Every we didn't Christmas talk day about this. During the section, but can we talk about the Disney canon, the Mickey canon, and Mickey's children? Who are they, and what are their names? At some point, at some point in between Steamboat Willie and um and Fantasia, I am guessing Mickey was wed to to Minnie, or um they had children anyway, which would be more scandalous. But given Minnie's original occupation as a hoochie mama dancer, <laughs> we don't know how promiscuous she is. Um, I think Minnie is a very enigmatic character and more research needs to be done on her. All in all, they could be his nephews. And since they are actors, they appeared as his children. Uh, His nephews' names are Morty and Ferdy. Okay, so Morty and Ferdy. So I think they're his nephews, right? But but since they're actors, as we've established, they appear as his children. Uh Uh-huh. But they never say anything. There's like, isn't there a a boy, a girl, and Tiny Tim? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, in in that movie. But in... Um, just as Uncle, just as Donald has nephews, Mickey has two nephews, Morty and Ferdy, and then Minnie, of course, has to have two nieces, just like, uh, Daisy Duck has, you know, it's May, June, and April. Oh my are gosh. those. Uh, but these ones are Millie and Melody, and they basically look exactly like Minnie Mouse. <laughs> okay, but, but, are, but Morty, is that a, what about Morty? Is that a reference to Mortimer Mouse? Yes, Mortimer Morty is. You know who Mortimer Mouse is, right? He was like an anti-Mickey. He was like a, a mm-hmm. not a villain, but like a, a rival of Mickey's. In, yeah, in it doesn't. Days. It says Mortimer Mouse or Mickey's off-time rival of the same name. Uh, they, they should not be confused with him, basically. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. I'll take it. So uh, officially, Mickey Mouse does not have children, so they are just okay. you know relatives. Good to know. We're, but we're hired for the part. Maybe he's just a lifelong bachelor. <laughs> yeah. Mickey and Minnie did get married, didn't they? I don't think they did. I thought I think it was always just like a. They just did it for show. Uh, no, they public, did in one of those other shorts. They thing. did. 
I no, remember they when they were married. actors, they got married in one of the... <laughs> like, what, what, Prince and the Popper? Yeah, they probably got married. Here's what uh, it comes up. Because they're actors. According to Walt Disney, Mickey and Minnie have never been married on screen, but in 1933, during an interview, he said, in private life, Mickey is married to Minnie. Whoa. Hey, you heard it from the from Walt Disney himself. What it really amounts to is that Minnie is, for screen purposes, his leading lady. So, not officially married, but in their private life, I guess they are married. <laughs> Ooh. Well, well. So much drama. So much drama. Holy cow. This goes very deep. Well, later on, the voice actors for Mickey and Minnie were actually married. But does that mean that the characters are married? Ugh. I just thought it was cute. It's gone full circle. <laughs> Yeah, and the, and then the and then that's the end, isn't it? Yeah. God bless us, everyone. God bless us, everyone. Then cue the joy to the children everywhere. I can sing that whole thing. <laughs> I can see that. I know someone commented on our on our Facebook page. They wanted Chelsea to release a CD singing Christmas. Uh, Disney Christmas songs or Disney songs, and I, I don't know why people aren't asking for me to if say she doesn't, my songs. <laughs> if she doesn't yodel in that CD, I'm not buying it. Sorry, Chelsea. <laughs> That's the only way I'll get you to buy anything of mine is if there is a song with a yodel in it. Yep. I'll keep that in mind. We still need to do a Rotoscopers uh, music album. We do. Yes. It, I imagine it being something like the Duck Dynasty Christmas CD, <laughs> except maybe oh, less yeah. chaotic. You guys all just need to come out to Nashville one time, and we'll get all of like a couple other people together, my friends. We'll get it recorded, and we'll put out our own album. Hmm. I don't know. I've heard it's pretty hard to get musicians in Nashville. No, it's really easy. They're everywhere. I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. That was a joke. <laughs> so this is a Christmas Carol question, but did all those things, meaning the dream, really happen? Was it a dream? Or did he really see the ghost of Marley? And did he really see the ghost of Christmas past, future, present, blah, blah, blah? Yeah. All right. Okay, so you're, what are you trying to say? That this was all a dream? This was all a parallel universe? Like, what are you talking about? Do you think it was a dream? Or do you think he really had those ghosts visit him? I think he really had the ghosts visit him. Because when he goes mm-hmm. and he talks to everybody, he, like, knows different things that he wouldn't have known before because he never paid attention before. Like, how is your lima bean dinner? Basically, yeah. Like, he wouldn't <laughs> know exactly what to bring, you know, for certain people. Yeah. Like a teddy bear for a little kid. No kid <laughs> would do that. Except for Tiny Tim. Who invited that kid? But anyway, um, huh. Well, he does seem to have a greater understanding of, of Bob Cratchit's situation after the experience. So, yes, maybe he was actually visited by the spirits who showed him all these things or his his subconscious mind made up these scenarios to amplify um what he was subconsciously thinking which is that he could actually feel sympathy for bob cratchit and and therefore charity you know maybe the it was there but his subconscious mind made it real gosh i have no idea i'm stumped on this one well guess we'll have to be a research i'm sure i'll be you know, Charles Dickens super all fans are who, like, oh, yeah, my all people God. who actually read it are like, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> anyway. So what do you guys want to rate this movie? Do I call it a movie? I mean, it's just like a, it's just a Christmas short. What do you want to rate this Christmas short? All right. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll do three out of five stars. Like it's nothing like remarkable, but it's still pretty entertaining. 
and I still think it's a pretty good, pretty good short film. They could have had songs. I can't believe I'm the one to say this, but I think they could have. <laughs> I know. I'm like, length. you're the one to say <laughs> right, they, they could have <laughs> added a couple songs. That would have made everything that much better. Well, they really could, you know. That's why I like The Grinch so much. Maybe it would have been more memorable if they had songs, like original songs. You know, Disney Disney could have done that. Anyway, three out of five stars. As far as a short, like, because this is not going to go on the same level as a full-fledged feature film. So I, I'm grading it as a short. As a short, I like it. And I'm going to give it, like, four and a half stars because there really wasn't a lot that they needed to add. Like, they cut it down to the bones to keep it into the short length. And so... Reading it on the short length, like standards, I'm going to give it that because it does have epic replay value for me and it is iconic in many, many ways. So yeah, that's where I'm going to leave it. I'm going to give it four stars. I love this short. I'm not going to call it a movie. And I just think that it, they did such a great job with it and it's, it's short, obviously, and uh, to the point, but the characters and the quotes are just so good and I know it's because I grew up watching this. I'm sure people who've never seen this movie are going to rate this, you know, one out of two. Well, that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> that's better than most. But I don't know. I just, it's nothing amazing, like Mason said, but it's really not bad at all. It's pretty decent. So four stars. Shall we go into the mailbag? Mail time. Our first one comes to us from Mark, and he says, Hey, Morgan, Mason, and Chelsea. I don't celebrate Christmas, but I tend to have a predilection for Christmas movies, especially those based on A Christmas Carol, which I just think is an awesome story. So I was quite excited you guys were going to review this one. My question is, there have been many adaptations of A Christmas Carol in both film and TV, and both live action and animated. If y'all are going to make another, I like how we said y'all, just, just so you know. Um, if y'all are going to make another animated adaptation of the story, what would your voice cast be? Looking forward to hear your answers. P.S. If I may make a special request, just to keep it in the spirit, I think the rotoscoper should end with a sing-along. And the song I really would like you to hear you three sing is Thank You Very Much, or at least... <laughs> one version of it from the musical movie Scrooge with thank you very much. Thank you very much. I remember that one <laughs> from Mark. Okay, Mark, regarding like sing-alongs on the show, like it's really hard for us to do it because, you know, with us Skyping from three different places and, and bandwidth issues, and there's never really a hundred percent sync up between uh, when we're talking on our microphone and when it shows up in our speakers. And so I don't know how we would do that. See, one day, um, all of us are going to have enough money to, mostly just me, to fly out to, like, Arizona or play, or someplace, and we'll all meet up, and we'll do, like, all three of us kind of things. Like, YouTube videos, we'll, maybe we'll do a special podcast, maybe we'll, um, we'll do, okay, tell you what, if we ever meet up, all three of us, we will do all the sing-alongs <laughs> that we could do one night only. <laughs> <laughs> this will be... It'll be a Google Hangout. That's what we'll do. And we're just going to sing along to all the Disney songs. <laughs> and this one will be one a, of can them. Can I put a ban on Let It Go, though? Um, sure. Okay. 
<laughs> settled then. No, let it go. As far as voice cast goes, I don't know. I liked the voice cast they had with most of these. I think I would have done, you know, all we just needed in there was Bill Farmer as for Goofy, and I would have been happy. Yeah. I would make a completely different adaptation. I would make, like, a pop music adaptation. So Scrooge is Kanye West, <laughs> obviously. And he's visited by the spirit of Christmas past, who um, is traditionally this, like, cute kind of baby fairy kind of thing. So obviously Taylor Swift. And the Ghost of Christmas present, um, it can't be John Goodman because he's not a pop singer. Probably Macklemore because he's always, I think he's the least liked of all the three spirits. And so that would make sense for Macklemore being the, being him. And then, oh, the Ghost of Christmas future, hmm, it would probably, oh, who's that guy? Buble. Michael. Buble. Yeah, Michael Buble be that guy. And I would direct it and it would be, it would be amazing. All right. I'd go see that one. Bob Cratchit will be Keenan from Keenan and Kel. <laughs> he can be a pop singer. Why not? Anyway. And here's another one from Dustin Lee Richardson. Dustin says, what's up, rotoscopers? Fellow rotoscoper Dustin here from Sacramento, California. I just wanted to say how much I loved your review of Big Hero 6, and I agree with all the points made. I give this movie a uh, four-fifth stars. Oh, I think he means four or five stars. Four okay, out of I, five. Oh, four out of five. Oh, you're so smart. <laughs> I saw I saw Big Hero Six with my little brother. We had a great time together. We laughed hard. Also, now that we're getting older, we were able to talk a little more intelligently about the film afterwards, such as what the emotional strengths of the movie were and how cool it would be to have our own microbots and or Baymax healthcare robot. This movie was fun and engaging, kept me guessing on who the villain was slash their motives, and it had some very good emotional beats, though I felt it could have improved on one of them. I loved the animation, especially for Baymax. Baymax had no overlapping action for a lot of the film, which was a great choice. Mason, Fred is my favorite character as well. He's a lot like me. Also, when you said he was like the shaggy of the group, you and I both said, zoinks, at the same time. <laughs> Animators think alike, I guess. Oh, hmm. oh, thank you. Awesome impression of the policeman in the movie and Stoic the Vast, too. That was perfect. Did I do Stoic the Vast in that episode also? You always do Stoic the Vast. <laughs> hey, it's one of my favorite voices, Chelsea. <laughs> Whenever the time comes, you always want to throw that in. Yep. M- mine's we more of an a, Irish thing. have a Celtic episode. <laughs> um. This And then he goes on to say, Ratatouille, this is my French friend Julian's favorite animated movie. Oh, good to know. It's awesome. I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about it. It's in my top five Pixar movies. Uh, not sure which number. But anyway, I hope you all had a, have a great Thanksgiving. TTFN. P.S. If you want, you can check out my blog where I posted my review of Big Hero 6 not too long ago. And listeners, if you want to check out Dustin's blog, it's animationistlife dot blogspot.com so it's like animation is life but there's a t in between the is and the life complicated animation is to life you probably oh. had to go with that because someone already took um this animated life dot blogspot.com oops uh, that's probably what happened okay i just talked to Sh- i just talked to shanna and she explained to me that it's animationist to life animationist like you're an alchemist you're an illusionist <laughs> michael i'm not a magician i'm an illusionist <laughs> animationist life okay sorry dustin for butchering that thanks shanna chelsea says thanks you saved the podcast (laughs) (laughs) all right this next one is from rachel she says love the podcast great job i recently saw mickey's christmas carol and enjoyed it the script is very witty scrooge is more of a smart aleck than in other versions my question is 
Why make it so short? They had between 1981 and 1985 with no animated releases except for re-releases. And they zip through each of the spirits. Why not make these moments longer and make a feature? But I still enjoy it. And it does a good job of tempering the scary moments, which can be tough with this story. It has a very nice message about kindness and allowing others in your life. Merry Christmas, Rachel W. Thanks, Rachel. Cool. So if you had made this full length, you would have gotten the Muppet Christmas Carol. Which is <laughs> which is one. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies, except for... um. This horrible, stupid, boring song that they throw in, um, between, uh, Sir Michael Kine and, uh, his love interest during the Ghost of Christmas Past Present. And the Ghost of Christmas Past in that movie is weird and scary and troubling and disturbing. <laughs> but, um, that song, I think it's When Love is Lost. It's the most boring thing ever. It's so boring that if you get a, if you get it on demand, like if you have like cable or digital cable, they actually cut that song out. It's <laughs> it's so merciful. I I love that version, but I I I don't know. I like I I'm fine with the fact that it's so short. But they do zoom through all that. They do just fly through all the all the ghosts. Very very true, Rachel. They do, and I wish they would have. I mean, I can see why, as we talked about in during the main um, discussion, I can see why why they cut them. But at the same time, I it would have been cool. Here, well, for the argument of making it longer. Um, this, I think this had been the first time Mickey Mouse had appeared in a Disney short since like the fifties, since the fifties. And I got that, I got that off of IMDb, so I'm not, I'm not sure if it's reputable or not, but for the hardcore Mickey fans, like it must've been terribly depressing to only have a fleeting glimpse of him. And also, I think this was the first time ever that Mickey Mouse was voiced by uh, Wayne Alwing. I think you say his name. He was also one of the weasels. Versatile. Yeah. <laughs> This is this next one is from a mystery writer. The only thing they left is the letter S. So, Rotoscoper S, uh, they say, Hi, Rotoscopers. As animation fans, I thought you guys might be interested in something I created. I wrote a feature-length screenplay for a Frozen sequel based on the premise that it might, it might plausibly come out of Walt Disney Animation Studios. It's strictly canon, easily PG or G, and it strives for consistent characterizations with Frozen. Here's a three-sentence hook. Are you ready, Chelsea? So ready. Okay, here's the pitch. Ten months after the events of Frozen, a royal wedding is approaching. But when Kristoff disappears two weeks before the wedding, Anna, Elsa, Olaf, and Sven go on an adventure to find him. They all discover along the way that making a new family together will be hard work. Wow. Um, S, this mystery writer, goes on to say, I made a trailer of sorts made of key screenshots of the script, which you can find uh, here, and they provide the link. And then a screenplay PDF complete with endnotes is here, and they provide a link to it. Or if you prefer fanfiction.net, oh, thank you, I, I definitely do. <laughs> they provide the fanfiction.net link. Enjoy. Sorry, S, I don't know if you've been listening long enough, but like I always mention how much I hate fanfiction on the podcast, but I will make an exception for you. Well, more more power to you. That's awesome that you like. Okay, I would have less of a problem with fan fiction if people stuck to canon. And I know that's not the point of fan fiction. You know, creativity. You know, you can make your own world. But um, the fact that you're that you're as you made a point of of making it compatible with the the Disney universe, I'll have to see. You know, because I haven't read it. But uh, I think that's pretty cool. And uh, I'm I'm looking forward to watching watching your trailer, looking at your screenplay and stuff. I'll send it to my uh, film snob friends uh, at my uh, in my undergraduate program and and see what they think of it. 
It's always a good refiner's fire <laughs> when you want to present something to someone. It's true. Hello, Rotoscopers. I love your podcast. I enjoy the different perspectives each of you bring into the light. I can't wait to hear what your perspectives are on where back will be. I think you should do the movie Treasure Planet. This movie is an amazing mixture of CGI with cartoon animation. The story is captivating and has tons of funny, quotable lines. In all, I would rate Treasure Planet four out of five stars. It is a stunning movie and I think would enjoy it. Sincerely, Alice. I have actually seen this. <laughs> Per Mason's, actually no, Treasure Planet was not one that I saw, so I need to see this. I actually saw what I think was the one you're searching for is Atlantis. No, no, no. I was actually thinking of the Don Bluth one, the Titan AE. Oh, Titan AE. Hey, how'd you like it? I like Titan AE. <laughs> That's Matt Damon. That's a young Matt Damon. I know it was kind of weird. Like they had like different spots, but anyway, um, Treasure Planet. I haven't seen that yet, and I need to see it. So eventually, we will do that. Maybe when we do our space series. Because at some point in time, we do need to do a space series. Space, space, space. The final frontier. These are the adventures of Captain James T. Kirk. Captain <laughs> of the of Starship. I don't. I used to know it. Dad taught me it a long time ago. Yeah. I never watched Star Trek. Anyway. Okay. I've never seen Treasure Planet, and I need to see it. Maybe I'll see it this week. I've made it a goal of watching a film every every day this week. Maybe I should watch it tomorrow on Netflix. There you go. Cool. Uh, Treasure Planet is interesting. I don't know about four out of five stars, but, um, you know, I haven't even seen it. So I guess I'll just have to give my own rating when I see it. Yeah. We're glad that you're catching up as far as getting to hear about your we're back or apparently this is an older email. <laughs> but thanks, Alice. All right, folks, strap yourselves in because this next one by Rob L has to do with a Disney theory. It's entitled The Time Periods of the Disney Princesses. The theory takes into account as much material the Disney company has created for these characters, including statements, settings, and cameos in feature films, TV series, art books, commentaries on DVD slash Blu-ray bonus features, sequels, also the original sources of the movie for backup, just so all the princesses have a placement. Mm. This theory is dealing with the Disney canon film characters, not Merida, as she is Pixar. Why you gotta discriminate? Why you gotta <laughs> discriminate against us Celtics? Pick up, ride your dragon over to this Robert's house. <laughs> dad, we don't use our dragons for destruction, Dad. You know, you, you see a dragon, you just want to kill it, Dad, and I think that's wrong. Dad, dragons. But anyway, the Disney Princess universe starts in the Hellenistic time period of Aladdin. This is proven due to Aladdin and Jasmine meeting Hercules in their crossover episode of the Hercules series, Hercules and the Arabian Night, which I did see. Uh, this is amazing. Um, commenting on that. Okay. Here's Rob again. Furthermore, Ariel's lifespan must be beyond 300 years because in the Aladdin TV series episode Elemental, My Dear Jasmine, Jasmine's hair uh, gets dyed red and the mermaid who captured her said she looked like every other princess under the sea, <laughs> clearly referring to Ariel. After Jasmine would be Mulan due to the ballad of Hua Mulan, which was written during the Wei Dynasty. That would set the movie at about 386 to 534 for her time period. Aurora, 14th century, is explicitly stated in her film. Pocahontas, uh, 15th, 16th century, due to the first contact between Great Britain and what would become the state of Virginia. Belle, late 18th century, as, concerned, as confirmed by Glenn King in the second disc for the second platinum edition for Beauty and the Beast. Wow, you got your sources, like, straight. Mm -hmm. Several of the Disney princesses live in the 1800s. Ariel lives during the early to mid-19th century, as heavily implied in the TV series, the episode Metal Fish. 
which shows that she meets Hans Christian Andersen. Anna, Elsa, and technically Rapunzel also lived during this period of time during the 1840s, as confirmed in Disney's The Art of Frozen, along with Rapunzel's cameo in the film confirming her placement. In addition, it is implied Cinderella also lives in the 19th as well, due to the cameo of the King and the Grand Duke attending the wedding of Eric and Vanessa. Finally, Snow White is the only one who had not no confirmed placement, though however it can be implied it takes place in the late 17th slash early 18th century, Due to when the original tale was written, the 19th century princesses, they all come after Tiana or before Tiana who lived during the 1920s. All right, Rob, your theory is pretty solid so far, but I have to totally disagree about Snow White. Uh, Snow White is Renaissance slash medieval times and, um, okay, medieval to Renaissance times, maybe a little bit of post-Renaissance, but not more than that. It doesn't matter when the original fairy tale was written if you look at the movie and like the architecture and everybody's wardrobe and stuff it's clearly clearly in the dark ages or something like that but anyway other than that i'd say your theory is rock solid it doesn't really seem like a theory this is more more like a compiled like a comprehensive well-researched timeline yeah in the the disney universe for sure i'll give him my my only question is how do you account for kingdom hearts i'm done (laughs) drop the mic that would be accounted for by the Time Vortex, Mason. Ooh. The entire series of Kingdom Hearts happens within the Time Vortex. Now, is the Time Vortex something you go into? Like, is it? does it have a volume, or do you just pass through it? Or would, is the Time Vortex more like the Twilight Zone, where it's an entire different mm-hmm. di- dimension? I would say it's an entirely different dimension, but it mirrors all of the other dimensions. That would be the only possible explanation for how a spaceship made of gummy bears um, can travel, can do inter- interplanetary space travel. Yeah, I don't know what I'm agreeing to, but what is that from? In what? Kingdom Hearts, they in Kingdom oh. Hearts they fly around in a spaceship that's a gummy spaceship. Oh well, yeah, then totally. I I'm just figured sure. it out. Go me. <laughs> All right, our next one is from Mike. Mike says, "Hey, Rotoscopers, I really enjoyed your review on We're Back." Uh, This was a while ago. Believe it or not, my entire first grade class held this movie with a higher regard than Citizen Kane. (laughs) As an adult, my head was spinning with every logic-defying scene. But at the age of six, it all made complete sense. What bugs me most, though, is how Screw Eyes completely failed to realize just how scary clowns can be. A man with a circus of horrors can do better than stubs. It's very true. The film went through a kind of production hell that resulted with a very different movie. John Malkovich, the original voice of Screw Eyes, became a somewhat outspoken critic of the movie, saying it was, quote, completely bureaucraticized. Yeah, bureaucratic. Bureaucrat. Do you know what a bureaucratized? (laughs) Yes, yes. Bureaucratized. Bureaucratized. P.S. There actually was a Rex balloon at the 1993 Macy's Parade, but high winds caught the balloon and caused it to lift over the nearby sidewalk. The head of the Rex balloon struck a protruding streetlight and popped. Keep up the good work, Mike. Thanks, <laughs> so Mike. <sad>. Although, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Mike. Although I got to be curious, like how many of your first grade class actually watched Citizen Kane yeah, to right? be able to compare <laughs> we're back to it? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I know what I know what you're saying. Citizen Kane is, is widely regarded as the best film, uh, Western film of all time, which is totally untrue. It's actually Jurassic Park, but 
no one really <laughs> takes my side on that. <laughs> but speaking of which, yeah, um, so we had, we had a lot of fun on our We're Back podcast. I remember mm-hmm. that. Anyway, that's sad about the Rex balloon. That would have been cool to see in 1993. I, I vaguely remember something like that. Did candy pop out of its head when it popped? That would have been awesome. No. Anyway. On behalf of all the people who have assembled here, I would merely like to mention, if I may, that our unanimous attitude is one of lasting gratitude for what our friend has done for us today. And therefore, I would simply like to say... Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That's the nicest thing that anyone's ever done for me. All right, folks, you have made it to the end of our fabulous 2014 Christmas episode. And we are so excited to have you guys listen to us, and we love our fans. Uh, for show notes, you can check out rotoscopers.com. Okay, when referring to this specific episode, like on social media, use the hashtag AnimAddicts83. This is our 83rd uh, episode, and uh, golly, we've gone for a long time. We're, we're closing in on our 100th episode. Isn't that great? That's exciting. Yeah. For show notes, uh, links, and more, uh, you can visit us at rotoscopers.com slash 83. You should be avidly, like, subscribed to rotoscopers.com in the first place. But each individual page for each individual podcast episode is a great way to kind of get the most out of uh, your listening experience. So we always post links, extra stuff, uh, talk about, ta- you know, tangents that we talked about. Um, so yeah, rotoscopers.com slash 83 will take you to this episode. All right. Be sure to use the hashtag animatics when like tweeting about this podcast episode or the podcast in general. We want to go viral like Jimmy Fallon does. And uh, you can find us on hypable and animated views. Also be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and we're also available on Stitcher Radio. We want to give a quick thank you out to the, the last couple of people who have been giving us ratings on iTunes. We have got... One from DLR4, and he says, Rotoscopers rocks. Ryan and Arendelle gave us a review. Also, Jacqueline Claire. Thank you guys so much for giving us those those five-star reviews. That was That's really nice. Thanks. Every review counts, and every review is amazing. Uh, you can find us on all social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. Oh, yeah, we recently did a... I recently got a, a huge influx of Instagram followers because we did a... We did a thing on the Rotoscopers Instagram. You're welcome. Where, yeah, thank you, Morgan. She's the administrator <laughs> of the Instagram. Anyway, if you want to email us, um, you know, with with comments, concerns, complaints, hopefully not complaints, um, then email us at contact at rotoscopers.com. And you can always send an awesome voicemail, which we love, um, at rotoscopers.com slash voicemails, uh, or you can use the number 406-646-6575. And you can uh, drop us a line. And we love to um, to play the voicemails and, and comment on them on the show. This episode is brought to you by Amazon, which is your provider. Basically, everything, especially this holiday season. If you want to support the Rotoscopers, use our Amazon affiliate link. Uh, that is rotoscopers.com slash Amazon. You can do your shopping and support the Rotoscopers at the same time. We also have a store. And if you want to do some uh, some awesome Christmas shopping, and you want to get that truly unique gift that really says, I, I love you and I love animation at the same time, <laughs> then don't forget to check out the Rotoscopers store. You can buy all your Roto merchandise, which right now is one item. It's our super awesome Rotoscopers t-shirt. So go to rotoscopers.com store to check out our t-shirts. Look, check this out. You will not get a better deal than this. 
12 bucks for a shirt, 16 bucks for a signed shirt. That's right. You can actually get our autographs on your very own Rotoscopers t-shirt for 16 bucks. That's one heck of a deal. Rotoscopers.com slash store. Hey, our next episode, folks, is going to be our best of 2014 episode. So if you have a favorite Mason moment, a favorite Morgan moment, or a favorite Chelsea moment, or a favorite all three moment, or any of the other com- nine combinations of all three of us, <laughs> then um, send us a, a voicemail or, or an email highlighting what your favorite moments are in, in all the episodes out of 2014, and uh, we'll know to include that in our best of 2014 episode. We're really looking forward to that. All right, so this week, the Rotoscopers Awards are starting. Just head on over to rotoscopers.com slash awards, and you can take part in our site-wide competition to see which was the best animated features of the year, who had the best sidekicks, the best soundtracks, voice actoring. This is where you guys get to get your voices heard. So head on over to rotoscopers.com slash awards to be a part of the action. Check us all out on our individual locations. You can find Morgan on Twitter and Instagram at Morgan Stradling. You can find myself on Twitter and Instagram, Chelsea Robson, and Mason, Twitter and Instagram at Mason SMTX, and as well as MasonSmithPortfolio.com and ThisAnimatedLife.blogspot.com. Until next Christmas. Uh-huh. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs> Nailed it. I don't know. I can't do it. <laughs> Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse is very. It, it's too close to things like um, Gingerbread Man from Shrek. You're a monster. <laughs> you know. Stop the gumdrop buttons. And then there's also Rob Paulson who, who who has a very kind of Mickey voice. Oh yeah. If there was like a sleazy punk Mickey who's just like totally lazy and kind of a stoner, then Rob Paulson would probably. It's like <laughs> oh, Mickey's yeah. nephew who like runs away from home all the time and decides to crash at Mickey's place. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And with that, another twit is in the can. And with that, this 30-minute short took us two hours to record. <laughs> wow. Talk about a time vortex. Uh, All right. Hey. Uh, I think that'll do it. Yes, it will. All right. I'm going to go eat some quiche. Ooh. Quiche. My, my special quiche. <laughs>